Once upon a time, in a land far away. I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Hello, everybody, <laughs> and. Welcome to our June live event, our Fifth Friday, not fables, Fifth Friday Folklore Fest. Uh, we're super excited. I'm going to get Jeff all set up to be on here with us. I'm excited to talk, to talk to him because I haven't talked to him in a minute. It's been a minute. Hello, already, people who are showing up. I'm excited to see you here. I'm excited to chat. My hair is all wet. Um, I've been running all over town in the hot summer heat, trying to get children where they are. And so I uh, just got out of the shower. <laughs> so that's my situation. But I did my alien nails for everybody. Oddly enough, we, I don't know, we probably won't talk a ton about aliens. I'm planning to do more alien stuff this summer. So I don't know if we're going to talk a ton about aliens, but I did put them on my fingers. <laughs> so anyway, I was just going to say, yeah, you guys haven't seen us in a while. It's funny because we kept recording podcasts and not really having a ton of time for actually like editing them to then like put them out. Life got crazy. Uh, we got a little burnt out, or at least I was getting burnt out between like school and uh, everybody. I told everybody back in April, my back, trying to heal that, doing some physical therapy uh, to help my back. And yeah, just like being in school, doing finals and life just got burnt out. So we did record two episodes. Eventually those episodes... <laughs> those episodes will come out. One of them was for Mermay. And it's going to be funny when it does come out. Because at the beginning of it, we're like, yay, for years, we've been trying to do Mermay, but then stuff always seems to happen. And it never happens. But this time, we're going to do Mermay. <laughs> so someday when that episode comes out, um, it's going to be just hilarious. Uh, because people will listen. I'm Guess here. What? Yay. Guess what, Jeff? I do know what was causing that whole problem. I set my phone to do not disturb. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and so it was like, bro, don't even talk to me. Do not try to get a hold of me. Like, don't be. At least I think that's what it is. Because just now I was like, you know what? I'm wondering if this is causing a problem. And then I turned it off. And then you sent in another request. And then I accepted it. And immediately you popped up. And I'm like, yeah, that was on me. Um. I was just explaining that, one, uh, life was crazy. We did keep recording podcasts. Um, oh, I also showed everybody my nails. Very important. Ooh, aliens. Which I don't, know if we'll, I don't know if we'll talk a whole lot about aliens <laughs> on this because I'm hoping to do some more alien stuff this summer and then have more to talk about with aliens. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm hoping to do more alien stuff this summer. Like Katrina, what? That's what I even, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful about, uh, aliens this summer. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. 
you've that's a real change uh for you because you've normally been very like uh aliens whatever it's fine What's funny, today I was just thinking about this person that I was talking to when I went to the American Folklore Society conference. Um, it's somebody, he's, I think he's in the background of, like he works behind the scenes for Folkwise. Um, okay. Or he's at least really good friends with like a lot of the people who are in Folkwise. I won't name drop him because like he didn't ask for that business. Um, like uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like I don't know if he <laughs> because he's like a person that I think operates in like kind of like the background. I don't know if he, you know wants me to be <laughs> quoting him or like bla- like you know putting uh-huh. his stuff out. But we're we were having a conversation at the uh, American Folklore Society conference. And he said this one thing that totally stuck with me where he was like, I don't believe in ghosts. Aliens are definitely real. And I'm on the fence about Bigfoot. (laughs) That's so great. And I was like, that is quite. To have like a hard stance in two directions and then like kind of middling on another one. I was like, okay, I I don't know where this, like from that you can't gather where he stands on anything else like it could go to either one of those three things like if someone's like i don't believe in ghosts i don't believe in aliens i don't believe in bigfoot then you're like okay this person like doesn't believe in anything yeah but science and things that they've seen with their own eyes or whatever um or the other way it's like like i'm not if they're like not sure about all of them or whatever it's just funny to be like this person is unpredictable where they would be on on any uh phenomena yeah because it's like okay obviously this person isn't just you know a skeptic on like everything yeah and so they've like apparently they've thought about it they've like sat down and thought about it um which i appreciate a lot yeah yeah you would hope that people would be you know thoughtful on uh the things they consider but that kind of gives people a little little clue as to what we're going to be uh talking about uh today (laughs) during (laughs) during this live event so you know while jeff and i were living our lives recovering from burnout uh hopefully recovering from burnout fingers crossed recovering from burnout we'll see listen we'll see where we're at um but uh while all that was going on we were also traveling i went with my sister on a road trip uh to san francisco but we took this we took a, a very interesting way so that we were kind of traveling uh the middle of nowhere um we had this running joke because we had to drive on like the outskirts of like reno nevada but not through it around like around the outside around the outside and so we drove past this one big house at one point and we we're like that's where uh jeremy runner lives <laughs> but also i'm convinced <laughs> Um, but anyway, we were traveling like out in the middle of nowhere. And so we were staying out in these like ghost towns, drove through alien country, but we were headed out to my sister works. She works from home, but she works for a nonprofit organization called the Nepal Youth Foundation. And they were having their like big fundraiser event for the year. And so that was the first time that she, since the pandemic, I think was going to be in like the same room as her coworkers. Um, and so we, it was a, it was a road trip out there. Um, and so we got to have a little fun 
with that and turn it into kind of like, you know, a longer trip with like more fun stuff. Yeah. Crystal in the chat says, yay, Nepal Youth Foundation. Yeah. Uh, if people, I today re-listened to our episode, uh, The King Who Rides a Tiger. That was one of the episodes oh, that man. we did during the pandemic. Um, so it was such a good one. Such it a is good such one. a good like, one. Like just such a great story. Yeah. It like uh, still the, the main character of that story is still one of my absolute favorite men in any folk tale ever. Um, and it's just a really, really fun story. So, Oh yeah. But anyway, Definitely so check it out. Jeff also went on a trip. I did. I went on a plane trip to Iceland where I then went on a road trip all around Iceland with my wife and one of our best friends. And it was amazing. Um, it was, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was amazing. I did never wanted to come back. I wanted to stay there forever because there was so much more. There was so much we had, when we left, we had planned like a month's worth of things that we wanted to do. And we only had like eight days in the country. So obviously we didn't get to do them all. So we have to go back sooner than later. Oh my gosh. I absolutely <laughs> love this person in the chat wrote, Jeff does not look anything like I imagined. Which I, I absolutely love. <laughs> I understand that feeling exactly because every podcast I've ever listened to, it's yeah. such a shocking moment to see their face for the first time, and and then also have the voice that you know oh so well coming out of this stranger's face, and it's just like it hurts your soul a little bit, and then you get used to it, and yeah. Man, I remember and everything's fine, but I'm with you on that. One time that happened to me, but I was standing in the room with somebody that I'd listened to their podcast for the first time. (laughs) And that was so bizarre because they had a face. I'd never seen this face before on like not don't know this person, but they're the voice coming out of their physical mouth. Looked it looked it sounded exactly (laughs) Like them in their podcast, which of course it did, except that I had never even thought to like visualize their face. So, yeah, um, I hope, I hope Jeff looks better than you could have ever imagined. But don't tell me I don't want to know. If you, if I was much handsomer in your imagination, feel free to continue imagining me that way. Me too, by the way. Continue to let me live in your head hotter than I am. I'm wondering if maybe it's just because, and this person is here live in the chat with us, so they can answer the question. Um, <laughs> like, they didn't mention you, Katrina, at all. They just said, I didn't look anything like they imagined. And it's like, maybe they had seen you through the content on this Instagram, like Instagram stories and stuff like that, because you do make an appearance on there from time and again. Yeah. That was a weird phrasing, but. From time and again. I'm, but but then, anyway, you know, it's just oh. interesting that it's like they singled out me not looking like I sound. Apparently, you look exactly like you sound, or they already had that. They moment already, yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they, yeah, they, they probably already seen my face. Um, oh, Crystal says Katrina looks like she sounds delightful. <laughs> oh, this person knows you personally. I've hung out with Katrina since before the podcast, yeah, so sure. that makes a lot of sense. This person knows Andy. <gasps> what? Yeah, it is wild. That's small world. Um, 
Very small. <laughs> uh, as opposed to Jeff, who doesn't know Andy. <laughs> so speaking of Andy, <laughs> aliens. So, <laughs> no. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, going back to the point of what we thought would be fun. Oh, because truly, everybody, I cannot remember if the last time, because listen, I was on pain medication all through April. I think that was the last time we posted a podcast episode. I don't know. I've I've been on drugs. <laughs> I've been doing physical therapy. Anyway, so um, I didn't recall if we'd even brought up the fact uh, that we were going to be having a live today on any of the episodes because we've been recording <laughs> that had been it. released that had been released. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we recorded something about this live happening for an episode that will be released after yeah. this live has already happened. So we're going to have to do yeah. some editing on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for our Mermaid episode to someday come out. Uh, Mermaid in July. Because seriously, at the beginning of the mermaid episode, I'm like, like, we've been wanting to do mermaid for years and it just never seems to happen. But this year, we've got to cover it. And I'm like, oh, man. But I couldn't remember, you know, if we even talked about this live. But the idea for this live was going to be that we do something that was different than uh, just like fables. Um, I mean, what we're ending up doing is not one of the things that was like on my list. Cause I was thinking like weather, folklore, chess, so stories, like possible, something like that. Um, but then I thought this would be the episode, the episode, what the live that we're doing right now, I thought would be kind of a really fun thing to talk about. And it is the folklore, folklore in travel and like, kind of like the, like folklore tourism, but then also enjoying the folklore that is where you are. Like being a folklore tourist wherever you are, just because wherever people are, there is folklore. And so sometimes it takes traveling and seeing something outside of the usual for you to realize the folklore that's all around you. It's this idea and concept of um, making the familiar strange to you and also making the strange feel familiar. And I think that that is important for all of us to better appreciate what is around us all the time. And then also appreciate that other people believe things or do things differently or have experienced different things than you um, because of the culture and landscape where they are. And that, you know, that's as beautiful and valid as like anything else. Um, so that being said, I'm going to start by talking a little bit about the folk magic that I got to participate in through an absolute <laughs> fluke. And, um, so also this includes a lot of personal narrative, folk narrative, which is also important. The stories that we tell about ourselves, uh, say more about us as people than we realize when we tell stories. So another tiny bit of folklore. I'm trying to like really drive home the point that like this episode is folklore. <laughs> Trust us. This is folklore. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is. Please believe us. Please. This is relevant to what we do. Um, but even if it isn't, hopefully it's fun. So 
My sister and I, we were driving through a lot of these ghost towns in Nevada. And the thing about the ghost towns in Nevada is there's actually more ghost towns in Nevada than there are living towns. Um, (laughs) because of the nature of, uh, Nevada, uh, (laughs) it's a, it's a, it's a big old desert. Um, so a lot of the places that popped up are very, very temporary. And during the gold rush, there were different, uh, gold and silver. There were a lot of, there were a lot of mines. There's a lot of stuff in the ground to be dug up out here. Um, and so after the gold rush to California, you know, people were looking for minerals and stuff out here. And so there was a lot of like gold and silver mines that were created towns that were made around the mines. Nevada is still, I, this is blows my mind. Nevada is the, uh, third largest gold producing region in the world. Which still? I did still. Wow. I did not know. <laughs> I did not know that at all. Um, but anyway, there are a lot of these like small towns that like popped up and are still kind of there. Um, but, you know, surviving in different, different ways. Some of them still do produce, um, or <laughs> different metals and stuff from the ground and whatever. But one of the places that we, uh, yes, Crystal says Vegas is a distraction. It is. Why? I'm like, why are people going there when you can go and drive through the nothingness of the desert, the vast wasteland of the desert? Uh, there's gold in them, Nar Hills. Yes. Thank you, <laughs> Crystal. So, uh, my sister and I stopped at Goldfield. You can guess as to why it was named that. Um, so Goldfield is a tiny town, um, and there's still people that live in it and pardon my language, but this is a direct quote from several of the people that we talked to while we were there. Um, (laughs) they, several people in different conversations were like, oh yeah, Goldfield, it's a town full of assholes. And (laughs) that the people who live there were saying that to us, um, which was like wild. Um, but were they telling on themselves a little bit with that too, or just like everyone but me? Like I'm not, but the town full. No, I felt like they were trying to include themselves. But the person that my sister and I ran into in the cemetery was the opposite of an asshole, and he lives in Tonopah, (laughs) which is probably (laughs) which is probably why. Um, so yeah. Uh, Crystal says, I'm still mad we didn't meet the DA in the bar. We went, oh my gosh, we went to the the town bar, the town saloon, because we were told that there was like a statue of, oh, I want to say it was like Billy the Kid, but it was not, but Wyatt Earp, a statue mm-hmm. of Wyatt Earp to look at. But what we did not anticipate was also inside of that saloon slash bar slash museum was... uh. <laughs> It was the wash basin of a uh, old Western um, sex worker who had been murdered at one point. It was like this this museum is uh, out of control. Um, it wasn't a museum because it was a bar. Um, it, <laughs> but somebody had told us that the the they were just talking to the DA 
and he was down at the saloon. And if we went to go look at the statue of Wyatt Earp to say hello to him, but we didn't, we didn't see him. Um, which then it was funny because we mentioned it to somebody else and he was, we were like, Oh yeah, we didn't run into the DA. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, he usually is there. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yikes. Uh, but anyway, uh, my sister and I went out to the cemetery that is out there because it, the cemetery that it's out there, it's actually on um, Atlas Obscura because mm. there are some really interesting um, <laughs> people who have uh, died and been buried there. One of the ones that's on Atlas Obscura that uh, a lot of people go out to see is um, the man who died by eating paste. Uh, library li- <laughs> library paste. Um, the reason why that happened is I'm trying to remember like what year he died in, but it, they didn't know who this man was. He had taken a train out there, gotten off the train. I don't know. They don't know who this man was, but he basically came into the town, ate some paste at the library that contained some type of like poison something in it and he ended up dying. And so that's the only information about this guy in the cemetery. Um, and so it's on Atlas Obscura, but one of the things that is super fascinating, there's lots of things that are fascinating about, um, the graves that are out there because it's the desert. And so it's not like rolling Hills and green. Like we think of in a lot of cemeteries in the United States or even like, kind of like the big, um, like gothic stone um headstones that you think of out here to kind of even show where the different graves are you have like just big rocks outlining where that person kind of was and different people have come and turned some of them into kind of like artwork they've like worked to make kind of the entire outline of where the coffin would be visible to people who visit. And then another really interesting, interesting. yeah. Um, Another really interesting thing about this cemetery and the one in Tonopah is that the uh, member of the, I think it's the central Nevada historical society has looked up information about the people that are buried there because the people who are buried there died, the majority of them, in the like late 1800s and early 1900s. And they were people who had come from far away so they could try to strike it rich in these towns. And so um, not a whole lot is known about them. They They came from all over literally that's just like um yeah so the historical society has looked up yeah crystal says this guy spent 40 years on this project looking up information about each of the people and what he finds he has hand stamped into like tin and put it on their like their grave markers which most of them are very simple like wood um, markers. And there are not a lot of cemeteries that you can walk around and on next to the person's name, you also have like where they were from and how they died, which 
makes for a really interesting walk through the cemetery. So I'm like looking at the different things that are like left in the cemetery for these like different people, but also reading these plaques that say, you know, how some of them died. And I mean, some of the people, it's, it's a really interesting experience walking through a cemetery and looking and saying like, Oh, like, Oh, this, this child, you know, was born out here in the wild west and only died at like a year old. That's really horrible. And then to have his mom buried next to him, it just says like, you know, from like died in childbirth. And then like, you know, you walk a little bit more and you have, you know, a person who dies eating library paste or people <laughs> who, yeah, uh, saloon shootouts where, um, you know, <laughs> they <laughs> just, got into old style, you know, wild, wild west shootouts <laughs> and died that way. Or even, you know, mining accidents is another obviously really common one. I posted one on the, um, on like my Instagram page stories, like when, when, uh, we were on the trip where, uh, the sextant, we talk about sextants so much on this podcast. I never could have. We could've. do. Surprisingly <laughs> I never, often. I, I know what a sextant imagined. is now. Yeah. yeah. I never would have imagined. Uh, but anyway, th- so the sextant slash grave digger for this town, he had been in the middle of, and he was, he was like old, um, in his like 70s or 80s. And he was preparing a grave. And he had, as he was digging, this is a really hard ground. And he found, you know, a really, really large rock that he needed to get out of the grave because, you know, the coffin wasn't going to go in with this like big rock there. So he kind of like chiseled enough of like a hole in the rock that he could stick some explosives into it. And he lit the explosives and he went to climb back out of the grave. But since he was an older man, um, or, you know, it could happen to a younger man too. He slipped and he fell back into the grave and then, and he ended up being buried in that, um, in that grave that he had made, which I, I really want to know, did they, did they put him in, a coffin like did they find the pieces of him or did they just sweep him into they were like you know what 63 percent of him's already in here let's just scoop sweep the rest in and yeah put it back in that's like it's i i struggle and i don't know like how i should feel about this about myself but it's like to me, that is a hilarious story, but I'm also like, this is a real person, and that is like really sad and like a tragedy. Yeah. Like if it happened to like someone that I knew, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's like horrible. Yeah, um, that'd be like that's like. But the worst as like thing. part, of, but just as a story, like as a story that is is one of the, is a yeah. funny and interesting one. I mean, it's no matter what, it's interesting, tragic. It's all of those things. It's hilarious. It's tragic. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just need to accept that it can be all of those things at the same time. Yeah. And that I'm probably a horrible person for some of those yeah. things existing in my brain, but it is what it is. Um, I'm like life, life is absurd. That was one of those <laughs> situations where it's like, life is absurd. Like the, the, the universe is chaos. Everything is wild. Um, so anyway, yeah. my sister I loved, and I, well, I love seeing that in your stories. I don't know if to have, do you, have you made those like, uh, like a highlight or something so people can go back and I should, see them? I, I'll do that. Yeah, do you that should. Tonight. Cause those were really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen him, you should go check him out. Cause it, that was like, 
one of the most memorable things I was following your trip along the whole way on Instagram. Um, and that was one of the things that stood out to me. That was like just super interesting story. The story about the guy who's like going through and researching these people, all these individual yeah. stories. And also like the pictures that you took. I mean, it's like seeing like hand stamped, uh, you know, histories of these people. Like, yeah, I don't know, like the love and care that you, that goes into it, like being hand stamped like that. And like the yeah. way it looks like, kind of like janky and homemade, like just really adds to the, like the whole feel of it, you know, it feels yeah. very like personal, you know? Yeah. Because this guy, um, he wanted, <laughs> he, he wanted to make those signs out of a material that would last in the heat and extreme conditions out in the middle of these ghost towns. And so it was like hand stamping them into metal was like one of the ways where he could, make it last and not get like corroded as fast. So as my sister and I are walking through this cemetery, we're kind of the only people who are out there. And all of a sudden this truck comes like driving up next to us. And this older gentleman got out of his car and he was like, Hey, are you guys visiting somebody? And, you know, we were like, Oh no, we just uh, are really interested in, you know, the folklore of this cemetery, the what people have left here, the art that is these gravestones and also these like signs and stuff. And he was like, oh, like, cool. I'm really excited that people are here. Like people hardly ever come. He had gone out there because it was the day before Memorial Day. And it turns out that he was the guy that had made all of the hand stamped uh, plaques. He was the president of... No, I know. Like the fact that you just happened to be there at the same time as this guy is yeah. just like amazing. So, and this this guy is so amazing because he was like, oh, yeah, so since tomorrow's Memorial Day, I, you know, I came out to put some flags on people. But also I came to um, leave flowers for the <laughs> sex workers that died like in that time, in that time period who are there because they don't have any family who come and visit their graves. Um, and so he wanted to make sure that, that they were remembered by somebody. What a sweet guy. He, he was like just one of the sweetest, warmest, kindest people. He was a delight to meet. And while we were talking to him, you know, he was telling us a little bit about the process that he had gone through when he started working in that cemetery. And he had decided that, um, you know, they didn't really know where all the bodies were um, because they knew that there had been a layout paperwork, but it was somewhere. They didn't know whether it was over in the Nevada Capitol and Carson City or another library of records or something. They didn't know where any of the paperwork was to show how this graveyard had been laid out. And so he was like, oh, so I used dowsing rods to look for bodies. And if people don't know what dowsing rods are, dowsing rods are a form of divination that have been used to hunt for lots of different things, uh, like water, buried treasure, um, and also like graves, things that are hidden and buried. And it's 
pieces of metal, usually in like the shape of an L where you have a long piece and then a shorter piece that you hold like loosely in your hands. And so he was telling us about that. And then he was like, I have my dowsing rods with me. Do you want to see how it works? And of course me, I was like, yes, absolutely. I do. I want you. And yes, uh, uh, Ariel Cole, Ariel Cole. Yeah. Wrote, uh, he is single-handedly holding back a horde of angry, vengeful, abandoned ghosts. Yeah, he is. He takes care of all of the sex workers. He's like, sex work is real work. And they were part of these uh, old Western communities. And somebody needs to make sure that they don't get forgotten as like the, some of the first like pioneers, people who came out into these harsh conditions. Anyway, wonderful dude. Um, so you hold these dowsing rods like really, really loose. And as you're walking, they, uh, yeah, dowsing rods often go with sextants. Yes. So, um, as you go over a grave, they cross themselves. Um, and so he was showing us how they worked and he was walking with them. And I, I'm a very, I'm a very skeptical person. Um, especially when it comes to like, supernatural things. I've said it this a million times on the podcast. I believe people when they say they've experienced something um, that they use, you know, as their like evidence, I believe them that they experienced something. I'm not going to be like, that's not real or you're faking it or whatever. Like it's fine. So as I'm watching him, you know, do this and it was working as he was like walking over the like marked graves, they were crossing themselves and it was like, okay. So he's like, oh, so that's how that worked. Um, and he explained to us that like later they were able to find the, um, the layouts, uh, the plans in a government building that showed where the bodies were and that he had been able to identify where like most of the bodies were. I don't know what his percentages were doing it or whatever. Like I don't have any, I don't know if he guessed over (laughs) the amount or under or missed some or what. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. That was like his story. So as he was showing us this working, you know, I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. Like whatever is happening, you know, he's showing us. So then he turns to my sister and I, and he's like, do you guys want to try? And he holds out these dowsing rods. And my sister was like, oh no, I'm good. And I was like, I want to do it. Why not? Participant observation. I want to do it too. Like Put the, put the magic object in my hand. I want to see if it works for me. So as he went to hand me his dowsing rods, which were made out of um, old wire hangers, um, as he was handing them to me, he's like, oh, it might, they, they might not work. They don't work for my wife. Um, and I'm like, okay, you know, cause they're like. They're just sexist dowsing rods. They're sexist. They're sexist. Sexist sextants dowsing, dowsing rods. rods. <laughs> So anyway, so he hands them to me and I start walking with them and it was working where like every time I was walking like over a grave, they were crossing for me too. And I was holding them like so loose where I was like, I don't want to affect them at all. Cause I didn't know if he had been, you know, kind of, you know, twisting with his thumbs or whatever as he's like walking with that. Like, uh-huh. I don't. And so I was like, I'm going to hold these so loose. <laughs> and so I was like holding them super loose and it was working. And I was seriously like, Oh 
my gosh, why is the dowsing rods like working for me? This is wild. And it was like, anytime I was like between the graves, they would like open back up. And when I was hovering over them, they would cross back over. And I was like, that's interesting. Well, I was like, why is this? Why yeah. is this working? And Cause I was I mean, wondering with like, I was wondering about like how they worked with like, Oh, they cross, but then like, how do they uncross? Like, do you uncross them yourself? to like reset it to neutral. But so that's really interesting to me that it's like, no, they like, it just happens. That's part of it. It's like it crosses and uncrosses. It's not like a, a one and done. It goes both ways. Yeah. Um, and like, it's things like that sexist sextant tools. Um, it's things like that, which is why when people tell you an experience that they have, it's like, okay, lean towards believing that they experience something. I, there, there is nothing in my worldview that would be totally destroyed if somebody told me that the reason why that happens is because of, um, you know, subconscious signals that I was sending to my body or the way that my body weight was shifting as I was walking. Or if somebody, Uh if, if somebody came up with a, uh, the scientific reason for why that worked when I was like holding it or whatever, even if it was just like, Oh, he hid magnets under the like graves or something, you know, like whatever. Um, he's like blowing like (laughs) (laughs) it, it would not destroy, you know, my worldview. Um, but it would be extremely rude of somebody to say like, that didn't happen. That's not real. Yeah. The sex, the sexist sextants, tools weren't so sexist after all this is man tongue twister i want to give credit to the person that said that i'm gonna say ralph philip (laughs) i think that it's Uh, like the 11th and philip the 11th combined (laughs) together that's how my brain or their name is ral ral philip uh but anyway yeah the sextant the sexist sextant's tools weren't so sexist after all um yeah somebody's magnetic bodies yeah so i've got a theory on how they were working you just what? to throw it out here while we're talking about it. i've got a theory for mm-hmm. how they're working when you're walking over and you get over a grave the ghost of the person who's buried in that grave goes Pew! and and boinks up to make them cross because they're like they want boinks you to find where they're buried yeah they're pointing like right to themselves. And then was, when you move on, they're like, oh, they're not on my grave anymore. And they like kind of push them back apart. What was crazy too, because uh, my sister, when it was happening, um, we have a videotape of um, us doing it. The audio quality is very, very bad <laughs> uh, on uh, it. A videotape? You have a videotape? <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> How do you watch it? How do you watch this videotape? Sorry. Oh man, we put it. We knew VHS, what you meant. <laughs> my VHS player. Um, but anyway, so my sister uh, was recording it on my phone. She was <laughs> not no videotapes required. Um, and I suddenly wonder where my dad's like absolutely massive VHS recording camera. <laughs> um, but uh, so my sister, you know, recorded a video on my phone because I want you know to videotape him explaining. But the video sound quality is very, very bad because it was super, super windy. And Mm. so that was like another thing that was weird because my sister said like when she was watching him do it, she was wondering if the wind was pushing them together, like when he was walking around and doing it. 
Um, but then again, yeah, they like open themselves back up to it was. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I was super excited that I got to engage in some folk magic practices. I'd never used dowsing rods before. Um, and, and it turns it, out you're a pro at it. It so turns out I'm a pro. There's that. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience because, uh, well, one, it was just cool that we randomly ran into this guy. Oh yeah. Was like the guy, um, especially because, you know, I mean, obviously he cares a lot about these like graveyards, but the fact that it's like, you know, he isn't in those graveyards all the time. He has other things that he like does. I'm pretty sure he like works in Tonopah almost every day at the, um, central Nevada history museum that's out there. Mm. And so it was just random that we happened to be there at the same time that he was there. I'm so glad he came over to talk to us. Um, he, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was wonderful. And like, so random that we got to see him and participate in a little bit of uh, folk oh, magic yeah. while observing the folk art that is in that, the graveyards and like the culture that's in the graveyards. I'm a fan of people who do that, who just like take it upon themselves to carry on this like project that is important to them and important to like, you know, that, that town and the society really, but it's like, but they just take it on themselves and they just like go into it and can stick with it. And like, just kind of like devote a part of themselves to that. It's like, that's just so beautiful. It and is. I'm glad that you got to like meet that person. And like, that's like ha- the, the chances of that happening, the tiny bit of time that you're going to no, be in that cemetery, that that person just shows up. It's, it's just amazing. And I'm, and we yeah. all now benefit from having you be able to tell us that story and share with us. So it's just, like, and I, I oh. loved, I loved that my sister got to run into that guy too, because she's been to that cemetery before. She was like the reason she was like, I have to show you this cemetery. Um, oh, and, nice. and she, when the, the guy was like, oh yeah. Cause she was like, oh, I really wanted to, you know, like show, uh, you know, the, cause they've got the cool signs that are like written in here, like explaining about like the different people. And that's really amazing. And he was like, oh, I've made those signs. And my sister was like, you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Crystal says, dude, this cemetery is elite. It is Amazing cemetery. If you guys are ever out in the middle of the desert in Nevada, definitely um, stop by and see it. <laughs> Go and visit the saloon to see if you run into the DA. Um, you could meet just, all the most famous people in this town. Yeah. The drunk DA, the alcoholic <laughs> DA. Yeah. The, the sextant of the cemetery who works in the museum as well. <laughs> just like a oh, top notch town. I did not experience any assholes in this town. Um, I'm sure they exist, though. No, what is random and crazy uh, is in the five minutes that we talked with, like, uh, a couple people in this town, two of the people told me uh, what their wishes are for, like, their burial, like, how they want their burial to go down, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, it makes sense that the sextant, uh, you know, was... right telling us uh, about that stuff. But there was like this other dude that when we said we were going to the cemetery, cause I was interested in kind of like the, um, like the folk, the folklore that's available in the cemetery through like the art, the choices people are making, that kind of thing. Um, and he was like, Oh yeah. Did you know that as long as you don't die of mysterious circumstances out here, like you can actually just dig a hole 
anywhere out here. I didn't look this up. Do not quote me on this. This random guy <laughs> told me this. He's like, this. he's like, you can just dig a hole like anywhere and just be buried within 24 hours like that. He's like, what I want. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. And he was like, yeah, what I want is for my friends to, you know, dig a hole for me. I want to already have my coffin ready. And I want to be buried on top of all of my guns. <laughs> and all I right. said, I said, yeah, and they say you can't take it with you. <laughs> and then what was then like what was funny was he was like, yeah, I have a couple, I have a couple friends out here who I know, you know, would honor my wishes and do that for me. And I pointed to the people who were closest to us that he had been hanging out with before he started talking to us. And I was like, oh, is it these guys? And he looked at, over at them and he went, no. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what the beef is there. Um, but yeah, Crystal, uh, says rural Nevada basically doesn't believe in rules. That's true. They're very, very libertarian out in Nevada. Um, they're like prostitution and gambling are already legal. Like what else could be illegal? Yeah. Bury me with my guns. Uh, (laughs) and it's like, okay, I have no problem with this man being put buried on top of a bed of rifles. (laughs) We all have our kinks. I don't. (laughs) But anyway, so Jeff, Iceland folklore. I'm interested to hear. Yeah. The thing that was interesting to me was, I mean, I feel like you, you experience this everywhere. Like I've been traveling the United States and you always, there's every place you go, not every place, but like you go somewhere and there's like, oh, there's like a story behind this place. I feel like in the United States when I travel, it's typically historical like this is where such and such battle of the revolutionary war was fought or whatever the case may be but it was so interesting to me how in iceland so many of these stories were like so obviously like folklore kind of related like there was about trolls and there's tons of like geo mythology which is not surprising for like a a really interesting place that only exists because the the earth is like ripping itself apart at tectonic plates and like having lava flow up to fill in like the the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Um, But it's also interesting to see the first place we we went to Reykjavik like on the first day and we're just walking around the city and like we went into a bunch of these like little shops. It's there's a lot of little shops that exist because lots of people come from all over the world and they have money to spend. Um, But in these shops there are things like that we've talked about on the podcast before. Like, so we like uh, Gryla, and the the Yule cat, like I went yes. to this place, and there's this whole like children's book about like this Yule cat and Gryla, and then there was another book about the Yule lads, um, and like the Yule lads were like everywhere, like in all these places. It's like it was June, like this was like we were there during the summer solstice, like it's as far oh, away yeah. from like Christmas and Yule as you can possibly get, and yet. Yeah. These things were still like very prominently like displayed places. That that was so smart um, of you to go to Iceland at the time of year that is as far removed from Gryla as you could get. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've heard about this lady. I don't want to cross her and her creepy cat. Um, <laughs> another thing, this is like unrelated, but have you seen that TikTok of the guy who's like, he might be, it's in like Thailand or he's in some like Southeast Asian country. He's at like this beautiful temple and he's like here i am like looking at this beautiful temple and where's my cat or sorry i spoiled the thing but where's my wife he says and then he turns the foot camera around and his wife is like over there like petting a cat um 
Like, oh my gosh, I have not, I have not seen that. But uh, the last time I was in Thailand visiting family, I basically made a series of photographs that was like the cats of the Wat because the Wats are like the temples and cause they uh-huh. don't, they're not supposed to harm, uh, you know, any animals, animals are allowed to have sanctuary there. And so there always ends up being a lot of cats, which is good because it also, you know, stops there from being a uh, high, uh, like, uh, rat or squirrel or mouse with a like pest situation but yeah there are cats everywhere he's right yeah and it's just so interesting like the in uh, apparently this is a thing too like Reykjavik is known for their cats like my wife got a shirt that says cats of Reykjavik but we're at like the the most famous church in ice well maybe not in Iceland because there's a lot of famous churches in Iceland but probably but the most famous one in Reykjavik like at the center it's huge and it like looks really crazy it's supposed to it's designed after basalt columns so it looks like these like columns that go up into this like big spire well we recreated that because we get there and it's like one of the first things we do we parked right next to that and me and our my friend uh you know we're looking at this temple this not temple this church and we're like wow this is amazing and what is my cat loving wife doing she's sitting on a bench petting a cat that she had uh just met had run into (laughs) yeah but it's like so this is this is where we were this church it's amazing and that's leaf erickson right there it's that, not the real Leif Erikson. It's a statue of him. It's not the real Leif Erikson. You're, I, that is really fascinating how they styled it after, like, the basalt columns. Yeah. Because, again, like, the basalt, because of that area, there's a lot of basalt columns um, just out yeah. in nature because it's <clears throat> volcanic rock that cools underground. In case other people... I know you know, Jeff. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but- basalt columns... Is it hexagons that they their crystal structure is yeah. like the thick hexagons? Yeah, and and my wife too. In addition to being a cat lover, she is also a lover of like rocks and geology. She majored in geology for a while in uh, in college. His and wife so she was like super to, stoked. She used to clean fossils. She worked with dinosaur bones cleaning fossils. That was a job that she had. Yeah, she was a fossil preparator at a museum, which is like the coolest thing ever. And that's how she won me over. When we were dating, she's like, you want to come see dinosaur fossils? I was like, yeah, I do. Um, But speaking of that too, like, yeah, they form these hexagons. That's how you get them. They form these hexagons, which is just insane. And we went to a cemetery. Um, Speaking of, you went to a cemetery. This cemetery was not maybe not as interesting as that, but there were some very interesting things about the cemetery. Like the fact that... These headstones were just like, it was the only one, there were three of them together, but they are basalt yeah. columns that they were just relocated and they carved the people's names into them. Um, and these I are from like, that. like eight, you know, they were a similar time periods. These people, it seems like they all died kind of around World War II, actually, all of these people. They were born like 1877 to 1941, 1942 to 1944. Oh, that's super sad. That's the small one in between them. I guess this might be a, it seems like from the names that that's a. Like yeah. a couple and then their their child, their child who died at two years old. And they all died like within a couple of years of each other. Man, that's really depressing. I didn't notice that at the time. Um, <laughs> that's the thing about when you're walking through a cemetery and you're like looking at the dates and you wonder about like the story that is un- untold. Like the story that you do not know, but you're looking at the dates being like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, there's that. And then the same, like, just just down the road from this. So one of the famous black sand beaches in Iceland, it's called Reynisfjara. Um, that like, if you've seen pictures of people visiting Iceland or like seen videos, like you've seen this beach cause it's super famous. But at one end of this beach, there are some geo mythologically relevant rocks. So like you go to the beach and out of the end, there's these like kind of rock formations that stick up out of the water. Yeah. Um, and is, there's is a story. Them, yeah. Tell the story. I was about to behind try them. To, I was trying to guess the story. Yeah, guess the story. Go for it. Oh, no, no, no. Because I think that I've read a story before, and I don't know if these are the same ones, that included like a ship and giants or giants chasing somebody in a ship or something. But you tell the story. Well, I mean, the story that we heard and we saw was that it's it's just super short. But basically, it was like there there were trolls that lived in this area, and they would like go out. Like this was a long time ago. They'd go out and they would like steal ships. They would like kind of like drag ships along to like steal it and like I don't know take the wood from it. I don't know what they're stealing these ships for. But as they're dragging the ship in one night, like they get caught out too late, and the sun comes up and turns them into <gasps> turns stone. Into rocks, and yeah. so so they're stuck as stone. And then there's like when you look at the rocks, you, you see it's this, supposedly this one ship with like the three masts. And so like the, the ship and the trolls and whatever, somehow kind of like all kind of got turned to stone and frozen in there, which is really interesting. Also really interesting about this was like one of the ways that we discovered this story was we were going up. There's like a, an, an overlook. It's called like Deerhole Promontory. There's a really cool like rock formation up there that, as far as I know, it doesn't have a geomythological story behind it, but it's just like, you know, some arches in this rock as it's being worn away. And you can look out and you can see that whole black sand beach. And at the end of it, like on the far, far side of where you are, that rock formation. We're, we're walking along up on top of this place near the white lighthouse. And we're, there's this building and there's a door open and we see a plaque inside of this building. And we're like, oh, cool, a plaque. Let's go read the plaque. So we like walk <laughs> in the I'm door of this building. I'm glad you guys are building. plaque readers. <laughs> oh yeah and it's like when there's not enough time to read the plaque you take a picture of the plaque and then you know read it later but we like walk in and then as we walk in there's a uh like a park service worker in this place and it's kind of like we walk in and we're all have this like oh 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 kind of a look because when when we get closer in there it's like this is not like a public space like there's like tools and stuff in there yeah and the plaque in there is in there because, and this is a plaque like made of metal on metal stands. You can tell like it has like bolts that bolts into the ground around it. It's like the guy's telling us like, oh, this plaque was out there, but there was really bad wind and it blew it over. Like blew over this metal, metal plaque that plaque. was bolted into rock on the side <laughs> of a cliff. And we're like, dang, it's how pretty bad windy. that wouldn't have been. So, but we were talking to this guy and so he was kind of, like, I think the plaque said something about it, and he was telling us about it, and also, like, all the books and stuff mentioned the same story. But it's, like, you know, it's kind of fun. And there's so many of those. Like, if you see rock formations off of a beach um, like that anywhere, it's trolls. There was another one, um, like, trolls. in a completely different part of the country. There's, like, oh, here are these rock formations, and it's, like, two trolls, and there's, like, some story as to how they got caught in the in the sun. So that was fun. Um, one was uh, something that we found just like complete happenstance. 
while we were driving, we weren't planning on stopping this place. Apparently this is a place that like people know about and they stopped purposefully, but we just happened to see like there was a recurring theme of seeing cars parked out somewhere and just being like, our friend was always like, what do they know that we don't know? Like, why are these people parked there? There's something worth parking there for. So we would more often than not stop and like explore that. But we almost went by so we could kind of tell from far away as we're driving uh, in between these locations that there is like this big crack in like the rock face of this kind of like mountain type place. It's maybe I'm, hard to see on here. I'm not mature for enough those of for you, you to just say big crack in front of me. <laughs> Look at this big crack. So we saw it and we almost <laughs> passed by it. We actually, we did drive past because we didn't like make a decision in enough time. And then, then we, you were we, like, we, were we like, can't hey. pass up a crack like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like a fun, it was a fun moment of like me knowing my wife very well. Cause our friend, she loves the crack. The time. Our friend was like, she apparently really wanted to go and stop and see this too, but she was in kind of like a mood where she felt she had been like steamrolling just the things that she wanted to do. So she was like trying really hard not to force us to do something that she wanted to do. So she's like, does anyone want to go there? And I was like, oh, that would be cool. That'd be fine. And Clarice is like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine. Cause we'd already passed it, but she said it's fine in such a way that I was like, that's it. It's fine. That means it is fine, but it's not actually fine. So let's go back and do it. And I'm so glad One second. that we did I just wanted- because- Jeff, I just wanted to say uh, my Instagram thing is saying that there is uh, 14 seconds remaining in the live, (gasps) but do not worry. Jeff and I are going to keep talking and he'll keep telling this story and it will be posted um, pretty soon to our um, account. So, yep, we got kicked out. Perfect timing. I'm glad you interrupted me just in time for that. I'm like, so now you get to just tell me the story. One of your dearest friends. And all of our listeners of the podcast. I was going to say, I wish I had gotten it out while the live was still going. Because I was going to say, it's like, so this is a perfect excuse for you to come and listen to the ep- the full episode if you want to hear the rest of this story. But if you're at this point, you don't need that teaser because you're already listening yep, to the full episode it. to hear the rest of this story. So... This crack. We kept calling it a crevasse because we thought it was fancy. Um, But it actually apparently is more correctly a gorge. Um, And there's a really interesting story. Like, again, uh, we looked it up later because we had no idea what this was. We went in there and there's like just rocks and like you have to kind of like it's kind of like a little bit of bouldering to like get up there. We had to climb up like a tiny little waterfall to get further into it. And... Like we walked through and we got to another waterfall that maybe we could have climbed up. But we're like, I don't know how many waterfalls we want to be climbing here. Yeah. Um, but then we like looked it up in like one of these books or online or something afterwards. And it turns out that there is like a, a really interesting story about something that happened in this particular gorge. And that is as follows that basically. So there was a guy who was half man, half troll. His name was Barthur Snifelsas, which the peninsula that this is on is called Snifelsness Peninsula, and it's, I guess, kind of named after this guy. Um, this guy who was half, was this guy who was very real, but half troll and half man. Half, half, half man, half troll. And there's like a big statue. Not said, there's a big, like, yeah, it's a statue made out of like stones, like stacked stones of this guy. Who was um, the mom? Was the mom the town? troll or was the mom the human? 
You know what? I didn't look into this guy's history that much beyond the fact that apparently he founded this, like the civilization in this peninsula and they named after him. He was half man, half troll, but also he had a daughter and her, um, his daughters, he had many daughters. They were beautiful and handsome and, um, what was the word? It's not buxom. Voluptuous is the word. That <laughs> <it kept> using. <laughs> and so like these other like kids were playing and they were like, just kind of like playing like this, like innocent game with this girl. And they like pushed her out onto an iceberg, like just to be like, ah, oh, you're on an iceberg. And they meant to like uh-huh, help so her get back. Funny. <laughs> but what happened was, there was unfortunately a high wind that took up, which from my previous story, you know that there's high winds that can sometimes happen that are strong enough to rip metal signs out of uh, their the ground, moorings yeah. and stone, yeah, uh, stone cliff faces. And so the high winds blew the iceberg away from shore and like they couldn't, they weren't able to reach her. They couldn't catch up with it. And these uh, kids that had pushed around the iceberg were in big doo-doo. Um, and to everyone, like back in the town, it was like, she is dead. She was out in this iceberg. Like, she has no food. She has no nothing. She's yeah. going to like freeze to death. She's going to fall off and drown. She's going to starve to death or, or, you know, at the absolute, you know, like longest possible uh, form of death that would become her. You yeah. know, so they're like, she's dead. And so when this guy, Barther, uh, learned about this. He uh, was super mad, as you can imagine. And so he grabbed these two brothers who were 11 and 12 years old, apparently, and he climbed up this cliff above the gorge and he threw uh, both of these brothers into the gorge and they died. But their names like are uh, apparently like. Now what these like gorge, the gorge and the cliff like have the names of these brothers, the way that they got their names because this guy killed them Chuck, at the gorge and at yeah. this cliff. Um, what a delightfully fun story. <laughs> yeah. And also interestingly, after this incident, this guy, uh, Barther apparently loses his mind and he walked up to the glacier that's in this area, which there still is a glacier there to this day. And he built an ice cave and he went and started living in that ice cave and he lived there for many centuries. And some say that he still lives there to this very day. Mm. But, so that was like really interesting. If, and again, but if you're a preteen boy, I wouldn't go up there looking for him because he'll murder you. Yeah. But an, an interesting <laughs> point of the story, too, is that apparently this girl did not die. Apparently, this wind blew her to uh, Greenland. And so she landed in Greenland. I've heard two versions. I heard that she made it to Denmark and that she made it to Greenland. Greenland is a lot more plausible, a lot closer. It's but seven days. Apparently, it like took seven days for the wind to blow her to Greenland. And Greenland also makes sense because of where the peninsula is. It's on the western side of Iceland. So it's like it seems likely that. Good, as long as know, the story makes all sense. All the way around it. You know, and like Denmark, yeah, there is like sea there, but it's like you'd have to get to Denmark, you'd have to kind of go like in between other land masses and countries. Like it just seems a little unlikely. Um, Greenland does seem to be the place where it would end up. 
But obviously, you know, she was still missed by her her families. But she lived with Eric the Red, apparently, when she went there, who was the father of Leif the Lucky. Uh, Yeah, and like I guess some like poem or something that she wrote is preserved in some of the Icelandic sagas, talking about how she misses her her father and her country that she was accidentally exiled from via iceberg. Via so there's that. Nice. And so that was just those are just a few of the ones that like I kind of experienced in a uh, direct way as far as being like I learned about them because I was just at the place where these things happen to happen. And it was cool, too, like with that one where the names of the cliff and the gorge are like named after these characters. Like it's not quite geomythology because it's not like how these things were formed, but like how the folklore of what happened there became the names of these places. And it's like whether or not this is a true story or not. Yeah. Who knows? It seems like I mean, that's a thing, too. There's so many things that are like. Like, truth interwoven with... It's a kind of, like, legend, really. Like, this guy yeah. is probably, I think, more like a legendary figure. Like, I do think he was a real person. Yeah. I don't think he was really half troll and is still living in the glacier up there. But it's like, who am I to say? Um, yeah. Because that's the other thing that was, too, that was fascinating about Iceland was... Like, people have been living in Iceland for, like, a thousand years. Or, like, yeah, over, like, over a thousand years. And so there's lots of really interesting stories, like volcanoes. I'm wearing a shirt. From when I went inside inside of a volcano. volcano. Um, What was I saying? Uh, Oh, yeah. But going to the volcano. But, like, they're talking about, like, since the the Vikings and stuff, like, first came to this volcano, like, a thousand years ago, like, they knew that it existed, but they thought that it was, like, just endless because they could not see the bottom of it. They just, like, looked down. It's like, there's a really dark hole. They threw stuff in it and just, like, could not figure out where, like, it ended. And they thought, too, that, like, volcanoes... Were, they thought that this particular volcano was, like, the entrance to hell. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, I went I went down in there, and it was not even close to the most hellish place that I've been on this planet. That was a McDonald's bathroom. <laughs> that was a McDonald's bathroom. <laughs> but finally, as my last little bit, this is not something that I, like, kind of directly experienced, especially because one of the things that made me learn about this was this piece of Icelandic currency, which ironically, I never saw a single piece of Icelandic currency while I was in Iceland because they're like, just use cards everywhere. So I could just use a credit card. Yeah. I never even had to exchange for any currency. But those of you listening on the podcast, 100% can't see this because it's audio only. But you, yeah. Katrina, might be able to see on the back of this coin, there are like four quadrants. Yeah. With four kind of like figures in it which i think it's an eagle a giant a bull and a dragon and those are part of the coat of arms of iceland and there's a little bit in this book which is a present for you that i brought back from iceland called icelandic folk and fairy tales that talks a little bit about the story as to why those are um like important to Iceland and why they're on the coat of arms. And what it is, is basically the story about King Harald Gormson of Denmark, who was attempting to invade and take over Iceland way back in the day. And so he sent one of his henchmen who was a sorcerer and this sorcerer turned into a whale and swam to Iceland to kind of scout things out to prepare for the invasion. And so when he came in the form of a whale, this sorcerer, 
he came to each corner of the country trying to see what would be the best way to approach it. But when he came to each corner trying to go ashore, um, he was confronted by each one of these four creatures. So one of these like guardian spirits of Iceland um, that kind of like blocked him. And so this emissary went back and said, you know, like, uh, and here it says it's a vulture, a dragon, a bull and a giant. Um, and so the sorcerer was like, you know what? Like these, these like guardians are there. There's no way that we can possibly uh, take over this country because there are these like huge mythological beasts that are protecting it. And so it's been part of the, you know, coat of arms of Iceland because it's like symbols of their like protectors and all sorts of stuff, which I thought was like kind of neat. And it's kind of cool that like on their money is a reference mythological creatures. It's a a reference to folklore. And it's like that coat of arms is on the back of every piece of their currency. I believe maybe that that might be a lie, but it's on a lot of them. It's on more than just one, Uh, more than just one of these coins. So. I thought that was really interesting because that's not the case everywhere. Like we have like eagles and like government buildings and like stuff like that on our thing, which like the eagle is as close we can get, but it's not like a magic eagle. It's just like a bald eagle, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so this book will be sent to you shortly. One thing flipping through it that I saw that I thought was kind of fun that we have talked about before on the podcast. Sounds very familiar. Is there's uh, the story of the seal skin. Which I don't know if we talked about this specific story. I know you've talked about like seal skin before, but but it's kind of that same sort of um, I don't know the same story that we've heard a bunch of times about a beautiful woman who was bathing. She took off her seal skin so that she could kind of like hang out and bathe. And this guy's like, "Hey, she's hot. I'm going to steal her st- her skin." And so now she can't turn back into a seal and go live in the ocean. He marries her. She has kids. He locks her seal skin in a trunk with a key and he's like, hey, don't ever touch this key. This is my secret key. You can't touch it. Yeah. It goes to this chest and you can't go in this chest. But one day he leaves the chest alone and uh, she unlocks it with the key, finds her seal skin and immediately like jumps back into the ocean um, and lives there again. But it's kind of like sad because apparently in the story she recites this poem to herself where she says, of two minds must I be. I have seven children in the sea and seven more on land. So it's like, that's why she wanted to go back. She had children in the sea, but also she had to leave behind her children on the land, which was sad. But it said too, that like her husband, like grieved for her a lot. And she apparently still really cared for him, but this guy ended up becoming just like super lucky. Some, for some reason, like stuff would keep washing ashore, like valuable things would wash ashore next to where he, his house was and next to where he would be. And when his children would be playing on the beach, there'd be always be a seal that was out there swimming along up and down the beach with them and throwing, you know, fish and uh, like beautiful shells and stuff like ashore for these children to have. Um, Which is like really interesting to see. Like yet again, the same kind of like story element that we've seen so many times in so many cultures appearing on this, you know, island in the middle of the ocean. Um, So it's just fun. It's just really cool. And just one of those things where it's like, anytime people move, as they like move to new lands, they take parts of their stories with them to that next place and then imprint it on the landscape around them that like the stories then start playing out in the imagination on new shorelines. Yeah. And the the forward to this book... 
that's written by like you know, the people that collected it, collected these stories, has a lot of really interesting things to say. I'm not going to like read it now because I think it would be awesome to do an episode about some yeah. Icelandic folklore in the future. But there's just like some really interesting ideas that they bring up about how, you know, the stories that they have sh- show a few things like how important their country is to them, how much they love their country, how important the nature is to them. And also like how tough of a country Iceland has been for the thousand years that people have been there to like live, like just how harsh the weather is and like their relationship to it. Just it's so interesting how all of these things are reflected in these stories that have been told and passed down, you know, through the generations so that we can have them collected in a book on these days, translated into English. There was like an English version and an Icelandic version sitting right next to each other. I got you the English version because I wanted you to actually be able to read it. Thank you. I appreciate Um, it. But it's just like, you know, we live in such an amazing time that we have access to these stories from people uh, and a language that, like, you know, we've never really met and that a language that we would not have the ability to speak, you know. But we have access to these stories and we can learn about them and learn about the things that are important to them and and some of their history and, and all that. So, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's super fascinating. So I hope that people enjoyed this uh, little, this live event. We're going to get back. We're going to get back into it. We're going to get back into our groove. We're going to edit the episodes that we have already recorded. So everybody look forward to Mermaid. (laughs) Um, Mermaid in July. If you can do Christmas in July, we can do Mermaid in July. Yeah. Mermaid is whenever we want it to be because mermaid exists in our hearts. Uh, <laughs> so that's right. Uh, we're also going to be, uh, we have a couple more episodes in our Snow White series. So we're going to get back into that, talking about the different colors that are represented inside of the stories. We're going to be talking about the Grimm's Brothers version of. Snow White. And then we're going to also be talking about uh, the Disney version. And when we watch, when we watch, when we talk about the Disney version of Snow White, we're going to be talking about the question, did they sanitize the story or is it just as violent as um, other stories because I, I think one of the critiques that always gets leveled against Disney is that, like, they cleaned up and sanitized uh, the story. But we're going to discuss whether, you know, where whether we think that that's true or not. So we have a couple of really interesting episodes lined up. We're going to get back into gear. We're going to heal from our burnout from our lives. And because we're not only burnt out from uh, doing podcast stuff. No, no. No, no, dear listeners, we're burnt out from from existing, from life. So from existing, from going to school, from being human beings on this planet. Yeah, but we will get through this. Uh, <laughs> we will heal, and we'll get back into the the fun stuff of doing this podcast. And this episode was one of those like fun things to do. I love doing live events because yeah, we get to do some interacting with people and talking to like our listeners. And that is fantastic and great. Um, and then also what I loved about like doing this topic was it got me thinking about 
the the folklore that I am nearby all the time that I don't have to like travel outside of the the city and the area that I live in to find interesting bits of folklore it is around us and so this is kind of making me want to explore the folklore around me more because you know all of the people that I was talking to in Goldfield telling them like how fascinated I was by the what they had in their town or even in like Tonopah. I didn't even get into like the the haunted hotels that we stayed in. Um but when I talk to people about how interested I am in the folklore that they have in their area and they're kind of like, "Huh." I didn't even think about that cuz they're in these really really tiny ghost towns and sometimes it's hard to see how fascinating where you are is because it's normal to you. It's like the everyday to you. And so I feel a little more inspired to try to get out and be more interested in the folklore that is closest to me. Um, and I hope that everybody who listens to us can be interested in the folklore that's near you too, because anywhere where you live, where there are people, you have stories, whether it's urban legends about different you know, old buildings that are nearby or railroad tracks. You have possibly, you know, geomythology stories about the the different features of where you're at or stories about the, you know, forests and mountains and rivers that you're near. But you also, you have, you have food. <laughs> you have food ways that are interesting to other people. You probably even have graveyards that would be interesting to other people and stories that exist of the people inside of that graveyard. Um, and I even think about the folk heroes that were buried in the graveyards that we went and saw where, you know, these people, because of brave things that they did while they were alive now, even though they've been gone for over a hundred years, they still, are remembered for the incredible acts of service that they did for other people in their community. And I bet that your town has people like that as well that, you know, are just impressive. So I'm so glad we got to do this live. We're going to get back into the swing of things, back into our lives. Um, and yeah, hopefully everybody... Go out there, investigate your folklore and your towns, and message me about it. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a dork and I'm into that kind of thing. So, everybody, happy July. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar Happy Mermaid in July. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Awesome. It's over.